Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahillahi wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa ba'd. Rabbi yassir wa la tu'assir wa tammim bil khairi wa bika nasta'in ya fatah. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wa ahlu laqtutam min lisani yafqahu qawli. Rabbi zidni ilma wa lihiqni bil salihin. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana. Innaka antal alimul hakim. Subhanaka la fahma lana illa ma fahamta lana. Innaka antal jawadul kareem. My dear respected elders, brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. With less than two weeks to go till the day itself, we are reaching the climax of the current festivities, wherein the bells are jingling, people are singing and humming, the colorful lights in the neighborhood streets are glittering and flickering, and ornaments on the trees in public places are sparkling. Red coats and white bearded men tend to delude people's minds, doubling whilst duplicating a person who the children are taught lives in the North Pole, yet is found in many other places from one's own town to beyond. In a nutshell, it is an all-rounder spirit of celebrations. This current festive mood has everyone apparently upbeat, from adults to children alike. But when carefully examined, the joy of it is masking an ever so profound anguish and misery due to the difficult task of meeting the constantly rising demands and expectations, both physically and financially, of one's own family. That the one who is in the heart of it all desires deep down for this season to finish fast and be done with it. So today in society where the financial burden for Christmas is the liking of a mortgage payment. The festival can be enjoyed only from the sidelines. For according to American Research Group Incorporated, the average family will spend $801 this year on Christmas gifts alone. Although that's 6% down from last year, but in comparison to the prior four years, this one is above. And that's just for gifts. Add the decorations and all the perks that go alongside it, the cost is much more. <coughs> Now, I'm not trying to imply that spending money for fun, enjoyment, or on the family is wrong. I'm trying to address the underlying problem which I feel is sticking out, yet all continue to ignore it. Is it the right time, based on the mode of the festivities, for it to be done in this manner? The spending and burdening oneself for joy which never existed when purchasing gifts for others, nor did it garner after receiving gifts from others. For I believe true, fulfilling enjoyment should not burden one in order to achieve it. What is Christmas? That is the most important question. If we know it and its purpose, we will then have the ability to do two things. Number one, understand what the true method of its observance should be. And number two, we will see if it links in with what we believe, hence we adopt it. Or if not, we disregard it. I want to begin with a second point. 
Question arises that for Muslims living in the West, what wrong is it in observing through imitation, if not celebration, for the joy and happiness of the children? Because the mind is viewing it merely as symbols. It's only a tree, lights, giving gifts. Hence, on the outward, it is innocent fun. Question to ask, is it? Islam, in context of it being a tool for life, rather than an observation in life, instructs us to know before we do, and to do only that what we fully know. Reality is that shallow understanding is for people who hold shallow minds, and shallow minds think shallow thoughts. I don't care how beautiful the shoreline of the beach looks, it's what's deep within the body of that water that one truly needs to consider one stepping therein. That is what differentiates between a shipmate who sets sail in it and a tourist who sets out to sunbathe by it. So when asked what's wrong with Christmas, its celebration, or the mere symbols and attractions affiliated with it, my counter question to it from the perspective of Islam is what is right with it? It's that simple. If it's right, then it's fine. If not, then let it go. When a person says Christmas, what do we know about Christmas? Well, Christmas is a Christian observance celebrated through gift giving and feasting. Correct? Is that how we see it to be? Well, that's wrong. Christmas is diluted with various rituals, cultures, and practices cloaked by the name of Christianity. What I'm about to tell you will clarify it all. Hence, it is not at all connected with Christianity, so then how should it be connected with me? Remember one thing, my dear friends. Remember one thing. A Muslim is to at all times be respectful of the faith and practices of others. But simultaneously, we are to ensure that those practices and ways are rooted from within the religion, not from outside it. Only out of understanding the importance of keeping our faith flawless and pure. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his book addressed the ones before us whilst warning us of diluting our faith with such practices. In Surah number 5, verse number 77, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ يَا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ Say, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, O people of the book, exceed not in your religion the bounds of what is proper, trespassing beyond the truth. Trespassing beyond the truth. Nor follow the vain desires of people who went wrong in times gone by, who misled many and strayed themselves from the even way.
So asking what, what Christmas means to a Muslim is like asking a non-alcoholic what liquor means to him. Better yet, it's like asking a diabetic what sugar means to him. The answer for the first is nothing. And the answer for the second is poison. What is the meaning of the word Christmas? Let's start from the core. The word Christmas originated as a compound meaning. Christ's Mass. It is derived from Middle English and Old English, a phrase, a phrase which was first recorded in 1038. Christus is from the Greek Christos and Massi is from Latin Misa. What it means is the Holy Mass. What is the meaning of the Christmas celebration? Christmas is a Christian holiday celebrating the birth of Jesus alayhi salam. That's the definition of it. Yet when we look into it, when we look for it, we find that it's hard to back this claim. For it is written that in the 3rd century, efforts were made to find out the date of the nativity i.e. the birth of Jesus, Isa alayhi salam. Only in the year 336 was the date of December 25th set in commemoration of Jesus alayhi salam's birth. 336 years after. How many? 336 years after. Pope Julius formally selected December 25th as the day of Christmas in 349 according to the common era, which is, of course, after the demise or the A.D. Hence, Jesus was not even born that day. This is accepted and documented in Christian literature. And I will quote to you one word and one sentence. The exact month and day of his birth are unknown. End quote. For that if it was known, it would have been celebrated from his life and after it continuously. Not some 300 years after. Which means something is missing in this picture. What is the significance of appointing December 25th as the day to commemorate the birth of Jesus salam? Was it that that day wasn't taken yet on the calendar? Or were there already observances, other observances occurring, and this was set in to give it attention while assimilating it with the other practices? Well, for that, we need to know what was happening on December 25th. Let's go into the history of the 25th. According to the Ger uh, Germanic and Anglo-Saxon, the Yuletime is a winter festival that was initially celebrated by the historical German people as a pagan religious festival. It was the first day of the pagan new year, December 25th. And the Anglo-Saxons celebrated all night long to honor the Divine Mothers. And this used to take place from the 1st to the 5th AD. Their customs varied. They used to sacrifice their horses and livestock. The blood of it was smeared onto the pedestals of the idols and the walls of the temple. 
and the men would be sprinkled with its blood. The sacrificial cup was to be borne around the fire and the chieftains would, were to bless the cup as well as the meat that was sacrificed. Then that meat would be boiled, it'd be cooked and served to the people. Farmers were commanded to come to the temple with food and they would drink three cups of ale, one to be drunk to Odin, the victory and power to the king, the second to the gods of fear, who were the gods of harvest and peace, and the third were to be drunk for the king himself. We go to the Romans. A person known as Aurelian, who was born on the 9th of September of 214 or 215 BC and died in October of 275. He was the Roman Emperor from 270 to 275. He strengthened the position of the Sun God, Sol. The official sun god of the latter Roman Empire as the main divinity of the Roman Pantheon. His intent was to give to all the people of the empire, civilians and soldiers, Easterners and Westerners, a single god they could believe in without betraying their own god. Now remember, this was between 270 and 275 of the Common Era. Christianity was adopted by the Roman Empire in 380. And the earliest date that the birthday of Jesus was celebrated was in 354 AD. The Saturnalia, a pagan festival that occurs around the winter solace. Again, designed to celebrate Saturn, the fire god. It was known as the god of sowing, planting. And it was because of the light of the sun that it would allow the plants and the crops to grow. He would be worshipped on the 25th of December because that would be the dead part of winter when the sun would be away from the earth and that would bring forth the coolness and the winter season. Worshipping him, pleading to him, asking him to bring back the light, to bring back the crops to give us another chance for life. It was also a time to eat, drink, and to be merry. My dear friends, thus far we've learned that this day, the 25th of December, was of significance to many diverse cultures and practices, all before the adoption of Christmas, yet none of them have to do with Christ himself, alayhi salam. Rather, it is all counter to the message of Jesus which is to battle paganism and association of partners with one true God. We move on to the practices, the figures. When we hear Christmas, we hear Santa Claus. Santa Claus is a mythical old man who brings gifts to children at Christmas time. Until this day, I try to understand that how in one bag, gifts for the whole world can be delivered faster than UPS and FedEx combined. It's interesting. I need to understand this. 
Today's version of Santa Claus is adopted from a real person who was known as Saint Nicholas of Myra. He was a Greek Christian bishop who lived 1700 years ago. He was a bishop in the ancient town of Lycia, which is now in Turkey. According to legend, he was only a boy when he became a bishop. And he was extremely kind. And at night, he used to often go out and give gifts and presents to people. It is said that his generosity was not bound to any particular time or season. He was so much loved by his community for his kindness and selflessness. It is said that he died on the 6th of December. And schoolboys all over Europe celebrated a feast day every year on the anniversary of his death. And they also used to give out gifts to one another, commemorating his kindness and generosity. This used to be on the 6th day of December, which was maintained for hundreds of years. In England, St. Nicholas Day festivities were banned when Henry VIII founded the Christian Church of England. It is only later when Queen Victoria married German Prince Albert that they changed this Christmas. They brought in Christmas and changed St. Nicholas Day with Christmas. And they changed St. Nicholas to Father Christmas. And he would now appear on the eve of Christmas, which would be the night of the 24th. The American tradition of Santa Claus was also taken from this English version. It was only in the last few hundred years that Santa Claus was associated with the Christian holiday of Christmas that was to celebrate the birthday of Jesus Now this is about saying that Santa Claus was Saint Nicholas. But when you look in deeper, you find there is a more greater connection than just a good Samaritan or a kind man. There are numerous parallels that you can draw between Santa Claus and the figure Odin, who is a major god amongst the Germanic people prior to their Christianization. Odin was sometimes recorded at the native German holiday of Yule. He would be flying through the skies with an eight-legged horse that could go far distances, hence Santa Claus and his eight reindeers. Add Rudolph, he'll be number nine. Children believed in this myth to the extent that they would put their boots full of hay, carrots, and sugar. And they'd put it near their chimneys in the house so Odin's flying horse, Selfir, could eat from it. And in return, the god Odin would be so nice to those children that he would reward them with candies and sweets in their boots. Hence the custom of hanging stockings over one's fireplace. Father Christmas dates back at least as far as the 17th century in Britain. And the pictures of him show him as a jolly, well-nourished, bearded man in a long green fur-lined robe. Not red, green. It is in 1822 that a Dr. Clement Moore, professor of divinity, wrote a poem titled The Visit of St. Nicholas 
That poem became popular and Santa Claus was born. The reason for his popularity is simple. We look at William Sanson who writes in his book, A Book of Christmas, and I quote his words, The time was ripe, a myth was needed, and the reaction of old Christmas was well in the wind. Interesting thing, some many decades later, in the New York Sun, a question was asked by an eight-year-old. And the question was, is there a Santa Claus? Is there a Santa Claus? The answer to that child's question has become classic and it's worth noting. It is written in answer to his question, nobody sees Santa Claus. But that is no sign that there is no Santa Claus. The most real things in the world are those that neither children nor man can see. Who is the one that no eyes can see? I can't hear you. Who is the one no eyes can see? And what is that? That is our faith. That is the core of our faith. And they are attaching this attribute to who? Santa Claus. So Santa Claus, according to this, is divine. And judging from the Christmas celebration, certainly more important than Jesus Christ himself. Moving along, you know there's plants, the evergreens, the Christmas tree, the wreath, the mistletoe. Don't want to get into all of them, but these evergreens, the holly, ivy, the mistletoe plants, they were those plants that remained alive in the bitter winter. They stayed green. They stayed fresh. So the pagans considered them to have magical powers. The Druids whose Stonehenge temples can be seen in England regarded mistletoe with reverence and used to burn it in sacrifice during these festivities. Hence there comes the Christmas tree, the tree of life, and the wreath, and the mistletoe, and everything else down that line. Regarding the exchanging of gifts, during the Saturnalia, which was the Roman winter festival, branches of holly were exchanged as a token of friendship. Today, it's Xbox One and PS4. If you get your child an Xbox or a PS3, there's going to be a big problem in the house. They gave branches. Today, it's become something else. What about those flickering beautiful lights everywhere, decorating the houses? Those who worshipped the sun god because of its apparent power became concerned about the fate of their god. In a world of many gods, as the days became shorter and the air became cold, it looked like the god of the sun was being defeated by the god of snow and winter. As if death and misery was being brought upon it. In Rome, the sun in its winter solace was it is at its weakest on the December 25th and had to be born anew with the help of bonfire, lights, procession, and prayers. This is all quoted in the Reader Digest Book of Christmas. In Time magazine, dated 2004 of December 13th, 
In it, there's a cover story. The cover story is behind the first Noel, which means Christmas in French. I want to quote the words of David Van Bima, who writes, Indeed, the Christmas story that Christmas now know by heart is actually a collection of mysteries. Where was Jesus actually born? Who showed up to celebrate his arrival? How do the details of the story reflect that specific outreach agendas of the men who wrote them? Their tales. My dear brothers and sisters, no one can dispute that the event and all the symbols of it are from pagan religion and pagan culture and pagan traditions. It has nothing to do with the birth of Isa salam or with the teachings of Isa salam. For another, the celebration of birthday in itself is a pagan idea. It was never promoted by any prophet or book of God, including the Bible. The early churches opposed it strongly. As late as 245 CE, African church father and philosopher Orion wrote, and I quote to his words, that it was sinful even to contemplate observing Jesus' birthday as though he were a king pharaoh. Pope Gregory, who declared in 601 CE, from stubborn minds, it is impossible to cut off everything at once. This became a license for another word of wisdom, which is when in Rome, do as the Romans do. And so they did. The Son of God replaced the Son God. Saturnalia was replaced by the ceremony of Christ or Christ Mass, which later became, of course, Christmas, and the list could continue on. Both Muslims and serious Christians can learn a lot from Christmas alone. The annual celebration of not Christ, of not the birth of Jesus, rather the victory of paganism, over the religion of Prophet Isa This defeat of Christianity at the hand of paganism must be contrasted with Islam's resounding victory over it. Muhammad came and gave the message of oneness in a land, in a people that were pagans. Islam defeated this trend. We cannot go back to it. That is why Rasulullah said in Hajjatul Wada that Shaitan has lost all hope that he will ever be worshipped again in this land. Remember one thing, my dear friends everything that looks good isn't a ruling in favor of it being all good. We know the Brazilian pepper tree, a plant brought here from Argentina, from our, it's an Argentinian plant that was brought here, and it was an ornamental gift. And what did it end up being? It ended up spreading chaos like fire. Endangering, endangering everything that was below it. It's an invasive plant in its nature. Killing the natural habitat and species of this land. Do we get the connection? Don't bring anything foreign into your Islam and expect that it's going to be conducive with my Islam. It's going to be just that Brazilian pepper tree that's going to cover your Islam and kill your Islam. Just as it did in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Christianity. 
So in conclusion here, my dear brothers and sisters, let's focus on doing what we are supposed to do firstly. Protecting ourselves through our faith from diluting practices that strain it and our relationship with our Allah. For Christmas was never a Christian celebration, not then and nor is it today. It is just for closing the books of the year in business with a big bang, influx in sales, and making money. But yet there is one aspect of Christmas in the culture of today, which is spending time with one's family. Take this holiday opportunity and do spend it with your family. Just don't break the bank while doing so unwillingly. We pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Allah that guided humanity to His oneness. That He allows us to continue to maintain that vision. And allow us to remain connected with Him. And not to be diverted by false cultural practices. Which take a person's time and wealth and health and energy. And above all, one's faith away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah give us the ability to see things clearly. And to practice the deen clearly. And to go from this word with the deen of Islam. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen.